Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. In the morning, seven o'clock hour. Jay Binkley, JT Noah. Would they say a couple inches of accumulation? Not on the roads, man. It was kind of cool yesterday. I mean, there's big snowflakes coming down, right? It was kind of cool. Is that the best kind where it looked great but doesn't stick? Oh, for sure. I was like, when I got home, it looked great, man. My, I have a puppy. My, I got home and my puppy's like outside, like, what is happening in the sky, Dad? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, there's giant snowflakes but doesn't stick. Now, I'm a guy that I must know. I like snow. But last year, I didn't even have to shovel. Did you? I don't think you even had uh, to. Do I don't snow. think so, no. I mean, it did snow at a couple inches one day, but then it got real warm later in the afternoon. We did that real cold week in December. I was say, it was yeah. around zero degrees for like a week. This year, there is absolutely nothing to complain about. You literally could wear shorts, which I do, the entire year, 2023, because this hasn't been bad. Even, you know, hovering now 32, 33. That's not bad, man. That's not cold. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not cold. Uh, when Christmas Eve came, I had some, uh, Snapchat memory, and it showed on my car. I took a picture of last year. It was negative seven when I got in my car. So you had that bad week, yeah. Yeah, but it's been great. I mean, it's been great. There's been nothing to complain about with the weather. But I do like snow. I do like snow. Don't forget uh, January twelfth is coming right up here. Uh, Six o'clock, Center Block Brewery, the third annual playoff Pilsner release. You've never been to this, GT. I have not. But it's a lot of fun. Center Block Brewery, you go there, the playoff Pilsner release, tons of people there, man. It's a, it is a great football crowd, people talking, getting excited. Because usually it's been, the, you know, the Chiefs having the bye week and you know, there's no football, but it's going to be probably right before the Chiefs game, which always makes it fun. Dustman will be there at 6 o'clock doing after hours uh, there. Uh, F325 Barbecue will be doing a special tailgate menu with wings, loaded Mac. Uh, some barbecue sandwiches. Uh, all of us at 610 will be there. I uh, hope you can uh, be there as well because you you haven't been to this thing yet, but it's a ton of fun. I mean, if if there's always a party, JT's on his way. So I'm excited. I, I've been talked. I, I learned about it yesterday, so I've put it on the calendar. I think it would be fun to go to. Oh, it, it's fun. January 12th, 6 o'clock, Center Block Brewery in North Kansas City. Uh, a couple blocks from the home plate on the uh, – Clay County uh, ballpark uh, proposal. Okay, okay. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows that thing's going to end up uh, at this point? Either. I don't think any of us know. And also, by the way, Alex Gold is back. He comes on next. He's doing a show live uh, from the new sports book, the sports book at Hollywood Casino. Brand new stuff. Gold will be there today, 10 to 2. And then the betting show will be there tonight, 7 to 8. So. That's just another thing to go do is go out and do the uh, go out to the uh, sports book at Hollywood Casino. Yeah, he's ex- super excited about it. He's been talking about it for weeks, so I know he's excited to be out there today. And I bet he's he's going to put some money down today for something or one another. 
Yeah, you might as well do it and go have fun doing it. But, uh, again, this goes down to, yeah, people have stuff writing on it, including uh, NFL MVP, which has been fun, how this thing has literally changed weekly, right? You know, Brock Purdy had his cup of coffee, which props to him. He's still what DraftKings has him as the fourth odds, uh, fourth highest odds at plus 1,200. Uh, FanDuel um, has him fifth at plus 1,300. At this point, but he was he was number one there for a bit. Pretty impressive for a guy that was last pick of the draft the year before. I've always had my doubts on him winning it. I do think Christian McCaffrey is more important uh, to that team. I think that Brock Purdy facilitates the offense. He's having a good year throw. There's a ton of weapons. Brandon Ayuk, you know, Debo, Debo Samuel, George Christian Kittle, McCaffrey, catch on the backfield, Kittle. It's a ton of weapons. But I always thought McCaffrey did. And not only that. What kind of ruined it for me is that three-game losing streak the Niners had. Especially they lost to the Browns when they had P.J. Walker starting an XFL quarterback. It's different now with Flacco. And that defense is still great. But then the Vikings was part of that deal. They threw two interceptions down the stretch, Purdy did, when there was an opportunity to come down and win the game. And he peed down his leg both times. Then he had a chance against an 11-win Ravens team at home threw four interceptions against them and I think kind of ruined his chances there. Lamar Jackson hops to the favorite at this point. It's minus 150 on DraftKings, minus 175 on FanDuel. McCaffrey is number two. Tua is number three. Put this way, if Tua goes out and balls out and has great games, Tua could uh, climb up this streak too. And keep in mind, the Ravens play the Dolphins. That could be for the NFL MVP. Well, I thought it was I think it's I think it could be like this. So say Dolphins beat uh the Dolphins beat the Ravens this week. Tua climbs the rankings, right? Okay, he's now the favorite. Then Josh Allen goes out and puts it on Tua. Does Josh Allen jump ahead? Then even though with his slow start of the season, can he win the MVP if he finishes the season strong with beating Tua after Tua beats Lamar? Josh Allen would probably be a nice bet at this point. Plus 1,300 on FanDuel, plus plus 1,300 on uh, DraftKings. That would be the guy just for that because it was Dak Prescott earlier, right? All the people who put all the money on Dak Prescott. Never trust in Dak. But uh, when Dak was up there and everybody uh, jumped up uh, to those points. Uh, But it's Jackson, McCaffrey, Tua, Brock, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Tyree Kill, Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, Goff, and Stafford. And, and Goff's had a tremendous year. Yeah. For what the Lions are doing. I mean, come on. He's, Think about it. He can go out there this week against Dallas and put up some numbers. And then Matt Stafford and what he's doing to turn around of the Rams. But Josh Allen, yeah. Josh Allen has 15 uh, picks. 27 touchdowns, 15 picks. Got three fumbles. He has four total, but only three of them were lost. But he's climbing these charts. And again, if he wins out, look out for Josh Allen because right now that's the best value. Yeah, I, I think Josh Allen's a really good value. But who's more important to their team? I and mean, obviously, you look at these quarterbacks. Oh, it's Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion. If they don't have the, oh, yeah, okay, best non quarterback chance. But look, how good are the Ravens without Lamar Jackson? We could play this game all day with how good are teams without their quarterback. And yeah, exactly. You'll hear this. Well, how good would the Ravens be without Lamar Jackson? Well, not very good, but who, who would be good? Would the Chiefs be the same throughout the years? I think the team that would be just fine out of the like the top tier teams without their starting quarterback would be the 49ers. 
I think if you take Brock Purdy away from the 49ers, I still think they would be a great team. Consistent, because Kyle Shanahan would scheme right. away to, to win games. I, I just Running believe football that. football be tough. Uh, Ravens, they tr- they did it a little bit last year, but obviously it didn't turn into much. They had a chance to beat the Bengals last year in the playoffs with, what, Tyler Huntley as their starting quarterback? So the Ravens, uh, they need a mobile quarterback for their offense. That's all I would say. Did you know the 49ers, this uh, came out at the, before December started, right? Uh, Jeff Kerr from CBS put it out. The 49ers at that point were 0-37 under Shanahan when trailing by eight points in the fourth quarter. That's climbed to 0-39 now. When they trail by eight points in the fourth quarter, the only team without a win since 2017, including playoffs. Meaning they trail late in the game, at least by eight points, they don't win. But that, that's, that's getting bad when you're like 0-39 for 39 in those situations. That's, 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 why, that's why I'm hesitant with MVP at quarterback for the 49ers. Would Sam Darnold do the same thing? I mean, that's, that's the one thing, too. Would Sam Darnold do the same thing? MVP will be fun this year. Uh, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, to me, they're the ones I'd go with at this point. Yeah, I, I think Josh Allen is a really nice bet with the numbers that he has and with the potential he has to finish the season strong. I mean, Tua can't make a case, though. There's no question about it. Tua finishes the season strong, beats the Ravens that everybody has kind of as the flavor of the week. Well, because they've backed it up, and they deserve to be that by going on the road and beating the 49ers. I don't know if people remember the Chiefs putting over 40 points and 520 yards on the Niners last year with their number one defense and Christian McCaffrey. That was my favorite game the last two years of the Chiefs. Oh, the 49ers won last year? 100%. Oh, yeah. And it was, I love everyone's excuse for why the 49ers got beat. Oh, they just traded for CMC. They were trying to do too much with CMC. Oh, get out of here. Patrick Mahomes just put it on that defense. But Tua can win this thing with Baltimore and Buffalo, man. He goes up and balls against Baltimore and Buffalo. Tyreek Hill still a little bit hobbled up, although he had 99 yards with his ankle. He's working through it. Jalen Waddell has the high ankle sprain. So we'll see what happens without, you know, one of those weapons. If it's just Tyreek, that's fine, but it's not 100% Tyreek. You're getting almost 100%, 90% Tyreek, or 85% Tyreek. It's up to Tua. Tua can actually win this thing if he wants to. It's right there. He might not be a bad bet. What are the Tua odds? The Tua odds right now are uh, plus 1,000 on DraftKings, plus 900 on FanDuel. Again, you'd be banking on Tua going out there and getting the job done, but be good value. It would be good value. It'll be interesting. The one thing I would say about the game for the Ravens versus the 49ers is Lamar Jackson versus NFC teams has been brilliant for the Ravens. He's only lost one game in his career against an NFC team. 20 and one. Yeah. The one loss was to the Giants, of course, the weird Giants. But still, he has the NFC's number, and I think someone said it right. It's because NFC teams really don't have a mobile quarterback like what the Ravens have, so they don't they can't really go for it and find film to like study to prepare for it. And as far as NFL MVPs, because text like is asking why is it always quarterbacks, and the one thing about it is, it's like Derrick Henry, not this year, but in previous years, you think all right when the Titans were good, they were. He was the best non-quarterback in the NFL at one point because that whole team went through Derrick Henry. It wasn't Tannehill that was doing it. But the last non-quarterback to win, 
because it's been Mahomes, Rodgers, Rodgers, Jackson, Mahomes, Brady, Ryan, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, then Adrian Peterson in 2012. I mean, you got to go back a decade to where it was on a running back then. It was uh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, with Aileen Tomlinson, 2006. Sean Alexander, remember him? Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. Peyton McMahon, Peyton Manning, Steve McNair. It's, it's usually a quarterback, but, well, it's a quarterback league. I mean, quarterbacks do dominate the conversation, and that matters how you finish. Uh, as someone would say, that's why there's an Offensive Player of the Year award for the wide receivers and running backs to receive. But can a player now, had Tyreek gotten 2,000, which still has an outside shot at it, and you say, all right, did they win the game because of Tua or Tyreek? That's where it comes down to. Well, he has a compelling case because of what happened with the Dolphins once he got hurt against the Titans. It's a great case for it. But, like, Derrick Henry literally was – he didn't win it. He wouldn't even, like, finish top four or five, but that was the best non-quarterback in the NFL. Coming up next, we'll talk to Ron Copper, RealHeadPride.com, coming up at 730. But coming up next, the theory of being washed, because you've heard this a lot. we we'll discuss that next. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back to Inkling, JT Noah, and you, Ron Cop, coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, we'll talk to him. 816, quarterbacks are overrated like Mahomes. He's definitely washed up. Look at his bags under his eyes. Guess he can blame the new kids like his receivers, LOL. So I don't know if that's true, if you're being serious or not. Washed up. 28 years old. You think he's washed up now? Hitting hit his prime. Not even close. Get him some new receivers, rejuvenate that, and you'll be just fine. But not washed up. And again, like we talked about earlier, 2014, Tom Brady lost to the Chiefs 41-14 at Arrowhead. Tom Brady was 37 years old. 37 years old. Washed. Done. They're talking about backup quarterback in New England. <laughs> Since that night where Belichick was asked that question, he went to five Super Bowls and won four of them. After yeah. 37 years old. Oh, yeah. Remember, that's tonight. Moving on to Cincinnati. Yes, on the Cincinnati. But five Super Bowls. Washed, 37 years old. Steve Young, I like to bring this one up. Steve Young did not have 3,000 yards passing until he was 31 years old. Between 31 and 37 is where Steve Young did his damage. Over 3,000 or over 4,000 yards passing. So six years right there. Because beforehand... Young Ant had it. He had a 2,500-year uh, when he was uh, right at 30 years old. But he didn't take off over 3,000 yards, which is not a great barometer in the NFL. But really, he didn't do anything until he was 31 years old. Hall of Fame career built basically after he was 30 years old. Mahomes 28. He's not washed. Look at all that happens. It's fun going back and watching the game. There was a lot of mistakes 
made down the field when you think about it and look like guys were open. And it's easy to sit back and watch it and say, hey, that guy was open. Justin Ross was open. What? But you got to think of all the other circumstances. You got to think about the trust factor. Do you trust your offensive line? Is he get, are they giving you time? Do you trust your receivers to actually make the catch? Or are you trying to figure out which one to exactly throw to? Because I'll tell you this much. MVS was out there for 80% of the snaps. 80%. They essentially played with 10 guys instead of 11. Because he had one target and he dropped it. Uh, as Carrington would say, he got Christmas cardio. But 80% of the snaps MVS got. The Kelsey one's been a big one. Slowing down. I mean, he does drop some passes, things like that. He, he slowed down. I had uh, St. Louis ask me about that yesterday, too. And the one thing is, when you're the main weapon, which is even tougher for him this year because nobody else wants to make catches, and Rasheed Rice, as good as he's been, is not a down-the-field threat. They still have to address that. Rasheed Rice ain't it. Now, he can be one of your receivers, and I think he can be a good receiver for this team. But is that your pure number one? I don't think so. Even though he's number two, came in in the game, two in catches as far as rookies are concerned. Uh, first in yardage for just receivers, not because Kincaid's in there and Laporta's in there. But as far as, I don't know, Puka's got him in yards. He was right behind Puka. Oh, well, Puka's doing things that no one saw coming, so... Kudos to him, but yeah, like you said, I think Rasheed Rice has probably been the third yard. He's behind Jordan Addison too. Jordan Addison's got eight twenty six. He is yeah. Jordan Addison was helped because of Justin Jefferson being hurt. I was gonna say I would put Rice probably in the three or four spot of best uh, play catchers drafted. That's including the tight ends because you would probably go Laporta. You would go Kincaid. You could put uh, Zay Flowers and uh, Addison above him maybe. He's in the top five, no question, and also Puka. So I think he's in. The, he's he's a top five wide receiver, probably top six uh, catcher. Which means they did get that one right. It does exactly. give you a little bit of hope that in Detroit, because we know how good Beach could be, you know, drafting defensive players, because that that didn't matter to this team. This defense is good for a reason. They built it. Can they rebuild the uh, wide receiver room? I think they can. Uh, Rice does give you hope because he's been better than a lot of these rookie receivers. Still not great. I mean, still not, you'd say, you know, as good as what you've seen in the past, not even close to that, but yeah, good. It's Kelsey. Do we take the same look at him and think, okay, well, he's drawing the other attention. He has uh, been playing here, you know, back even with Alex Smith. Matter of fact, if they, if the chiefs go ahead and win the division this year, just win one more of their games. They win the division for eight straight years. It'll be eight straight years of Travis Kelsey having 1,000 yards. Eight. Needs 32 yards to have 1,000 yards. As far as tight ends in the NFL this year, he leads in tight end yardage. So, and I asked that guy that two questions too. I said, what do you, what do you consider washed? Slowing down maybe? From his standards where he was? You could make that argument. Yeah, sure. But is he still the number one tight end in yardage? Yeah. I mean, if that's washed leading the NFL in a position with any stat. Is that fair? Is that fair to say washed if you lead the NFL in a category? I, I wouldn't say so, but you could say, I would say it like this. He is slowing down from his standards. Sure. But he's still the best at his position and what he does. Well, 
Yeah, for what for what he does and the attention that he's getting. But I mean, just I think a lot of times people look at the Chiefs and you know the you know the throwing the helmet and things like that and think things aren't you know the same with Travis Kelsey. Is is it different than previous years? Yeah, it is. But the bottom line is, don't forget about his career. Don't forget eight straight years of a thousand yards. It had never done been done more than three times in a row. You don't hear that stuff. You don't hear that stuff at all. You don't hear the stuff that Jason Witten, Tony Gonzalez, Gronk only had four 1,000-yard seasons in their career. Four. Shannon Sharp, three. Travis Kelsey's about to do it eight times, and they're all consecutive in a row. And I was about to say, in a row. That is doubling up, doubling up in any of your nearest competition. Find me another position that can double up their stats or something. You can't. You can't find it. That's why he's going to Canton. But you set a certain bar, and people are used to it, and that's kind of what the Chiefs are finding. They set a certain bar, and you don't live up to that bar, and here comes the pitchforks because of that. Coming up next, though, Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. Festival in the morning, Jay Binkley, JT Noah producing the operation. Joining us now, the lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com, Ron Cop. Ron, good morning. Thanks for getting up uh, early with us. Yes, sir, Jay. Appreciate you having me. You caught me uh, before we record our podcast. So I'm, I'm ready. I got takes ready to roll. So we're, we're good. The we're weekly ready. podcast. What, what's going to be the, uh, what's going to be the theme today? I mean, I'm I'm really interested, and, and, and from the the time the game ended, I just really wanted to see what is going on with this offense. What exactly is the issue? Why is it looking as bad as it ever has in the Mahomes era? Um, I, there's so many different factors. Um, there's just so many different things you can't pinpoint it on one thing, and and we're really going to get it broken down. But hey, we can break it down right now too, Jay. So so what you got? Well, when you watch the game and the all twenty two, and you watch the film. Uh, obviously, uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, open receivers at points and, and, and Mahomes didn't hit it. A lot of it falls on him. Uh, the offensive line did not block, uh, well at all this game. Hey, their worst game of the year. Uh, the receivers continue to run porous routes, uh, drop the football and don't remember how to line up correctly. It was a culmination of a whole bunch of things. And there's coaching involved in that too. Where do you what do you where do you pin the most blame on that? If there's a pie chart, who do you give the most blame to for the offense? Well, it just seems like when you watch that game, more than it has at any point this season, and we're talking about week sixteen, we're talking about the fifteenth game of the season, you still see this this lack of detail, this lack of um, just just a, 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 yeah detail really, because when you see guys like Patrick Mahomes having to having to say the play call again, you know they they they're late out of the huddle because he, he has to kind of rehuddle them, you know that happened not just on one time, you know, there was that one time on the fourth down, they actually ended up converting it. But, you know, the crazy part is Pacheco ends up not lining up correctly on that play. Man, that's a play they run constantly in fourth and one situations, you know, whether they are handing off to Pacheco out of that fullback situation, uh, fullback position and and Mahomes actually fakes at that time rolls out. Right. But that's a, that's a play they constantly, constantly do in short yard situations. So for, for it to be, you know, a, 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 a not lined up correctly at first was, was a little discouraging. And then you see other times where Mahomes is, is off, off on, you know, not on the same page with Rasheed Rice on a third and five, right? 
You know, he, he throws it quickly. Rice isn't ready for it in the soft in the soft zone and, and, and doesn't have his hands up. You see Mahomes immediately after after the ball falls to the ground, yell at Rice and have and, and kind of put his hands in a gesture him up like a catching position. I mean, some of this some of this stuff is and you know, burning timeouts. There were times they had to burn timeouts and, and, and some of that. It's just that kind of is the, the, the foundation layer of, of the lack of, of success for the Chiefs offense this year. It's just there just seems to be something you know, just, just kind of just a tick off. And I know Andy says that, but you know, it's true. And, and, and it's compiled with the drops, like you all mentioned, but you know, there's just these little things and, and even the scoop and score for the Raiders, right. That, you know, the Pacheco touchdown was great. That was an awesome play design. We love that. But, you know, do you really, <laughs> do you really want to go to a direct snap backed up into your own territory? The next, the very next play, just after they just saw a play where Pacheco's directly, you know, getting a handoff. I just, there's just some things, just these these little things here and there that that really just you know just compile and and honestly the pick six too I, I should end with that the pick six really was you know it was a it was a sloppy route on Watson's part you know he didn't go up and, and help contest the pass that could have been an incompletion at the very worst um, but it was a great play by the corner but again Mahomes kind of doesn't follow through you know there's just these little things man and and it really added up this game it was overall one of the ugliest games they've ever played as an no, no it was it was completely frustrating I, these slow starts are what really put them in the hole, man, you know, these slow starts and, you know, getting down what they ended up coming back and winning 31 to 17 against the Raiders down 14 could have been 17 Raiders missed the field goal, uh, but did come back and win that game. So credit them for coming back in that game. But the first couple drives are usually scripted, but man, it couldn't have gotten any worse. The, they only ran 11 plays in the first three series of the game this past weekend. It was just like you said, you know, the guys weren't in the right place. They, you know, just things that we're not used to seeing with the chiefs to come down to coaching and, and individual responsibilities. Like this isn't the way that, that they've conducted business. The, I mean, when you beat the chiefs and it was hard, man, because they had to really, really wait for them to make a mistake. Cause they just didn't. And this year has been a whole bunch of mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I, I pointed out in this, in these last eight games where they are three and five, you know, pretty, pretty unbelievable record for the chiefs and in, in any sort of stretch of games to be uh, under 500, they are, the turnover ratio is, is, is five to 15. So they've forced five turnovers and given away 15. I mean, that is an unbelievably bad turnover ratio and not short of a, of a, of a time span. And, and, you know, that, that speaks to the offense, not, you know, or, you know, not taking care of the ball, but also the defense, maybe not creating enough turnovers, but you can't, you know, this is really on the offense and, you know, you mentioned the, the first three plays of this game. You know, Jay, the one thing is is not only are, are, is the pass offense looking sloppy, but they're being put in bad positions all the time because, especially this game, the run offense was non-existent. Besides Pacheco's 12-yard touchdown run, the running backs combined for 20 rushing yards over 14 attempts. And that in the first three drives was, was a great example of the team putting themselves behind the sticks and, and, and having to con- try to convert third and 10, third and 15, third and nine. That was it's not as easy this year as it was in years past, right? That used to be a, you know something we felt confident Mahomes could convert in this year. They really do need those third and shorts, and even then they're kind of challenging. But uh, yeah, I, I think really you know not having the early down offense either to really help you know not having any sort of ground game. This 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 pass offense needs all the help they can get from the surrounding factors. Pass protection too, right? You know, and 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 none of that stuff was really working on Monday. When you look at the receivers and, you know, Justin Watson, you know, was talked about a lot with Dan Orlovsky breaking down films, like showing, all right, he's beat his man off the line. He's got to go straight in the field. He got to change whatever out he was doing and understand he's got the whole field in front of an end zone and give Mahomes that target. And instead he busted off straight towards the safety 
in the Philadelphia game. The Raiders game in Las Vegas looked great because he was knocked on the ground by Spillane. He gets up, creates a pocket uh, for Mahomes to throw a touchdown pass, and he did twice in this game. It looked like Rice and, and Mahomes weren't on the same page because Mahomes was ready for him to do something else, but he didn't quite do it. Um, have we seen so much of that? Like, is that been one of the biggest problems of his receivers? And I know they all went down and worked out with Mahomes in the offseason, uh, Camp Pat down there in Texas. But is that how big of a problem is the receivers and quarterback not on the same page? Not for the play that was called, but the play that's run. Exactly. It's a huge problem. And and it's why you're seeing this downfield pass offense be just almost non-existent. I, I tweeted out a stat yesterday, but Patrick Mahomes is tied for the lowest completion rate on deep passes of the of all full-time NFL starters this year. He's tied with Baker Mayfield. He is only completing 27% of passes that he throws 20 or more yards downfield. And that's just, you know, in years past, you know, you could almost say, well, hey, look, you know, defenses are not giving them opportunities to throw it downfield. So it, it is a very, you know, a low completion rate kind of pass for them because you're, you're always facing too high and it's always going to be congested down the field. They don't want to give you the, the vertical shots, right? This year, defenses are, 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 are definitely allowing the, the offense to have those vertical shots. They're, they are not respecting, you know, the, the, the vertical players in this offense. That's why, you know, you saw against the Raiders especially, those safeties were flying up to the line of scrimmage. They had no worries about letting a, a Justin Watson or MBS behind them. And, and, and rarely did they get behind them and, and threaten them at all. Um, you didn't see any sort of deep passes. Mahomes, I think, was 0 for 3 on passes thrown 20 or more yards downfield. I know that Richie James one late uh, was deep, but it actually was, was still, uh, you know, just below 20 yards. All that to say, you know, this, this downfield passing game, you know, it, it, in years past they've had a better excuse. But it, this year defenses are giving them chances to go down the field, and they are not making them pay for it. And that's the biggest reason why you're seeing everything else look so ugly because defenses that can play to the line of scrimmage can attack the quick screens can attack the run game because they don't they don't have a worry about uh you know anyone flying past them deep for a 70-yard bomb like they have you know in, in years past do you think it's affected the running game because i have i mean they're 20th in the nfl and running the football they really struggled running the ball uh this last game Mahomes actually up to 387 yards rushing that's the most he's ever had in the history of patrick Mahomes in a season he's got more this year than any other year but he had to be that guy because the running game couldn't get there but are you starting to notice guys creeping up more? I mean, eight men in the box would never happen against Mahomes in the past, but because the Chiefs aren't throwing deep, you see him, the defenses start creeping up and creeping up, and that definitely takes out the running game. 100%. Yeah, no, it, you know, this run game and Andy Reid's offense has always been predicated on running against light boxes, right? Always seeing those six-man six boxes because – the teams are so worried about being spread out and, and, and having to uh, defend the sidelines, defend the vertical plane. <laughs> right now, they, they don't even worry about the jet sweeps. You know, they, they're not worried about getting to the sideline and, 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 you know, making sure McColl doesn't get around the edge. You know, there's no, there's no speed right now, especially on Monday, right, without, without Tony in the game to, to really give them much speed. You know, Richie James is not a, a burner type of guy. He's more of a quick guy. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of things where, where this it, it's very simple right now and how to attack the Chiefs offense, and they are not making defenses pay uh, for, for, making, for being simplified, right, from playing from one high, from playing in those eight-man boxes, from, you know, from trusting, you know, guys in, in straight man coverage. I mean, receivers are not creating separation. And, you know, one example I will say is, is you know, the, the rookie, as, as, as well as he's done, you know, separation has been a tough thing for him. And on that fourth down play where they turned over it on downs, you know, Mahomes puts it up for him in the end zone. You know, he, the, the play works out. The play kind of opens up for Bryce to create separation, have a chance to go up and get the ball, but he's just not 
strong enough to overcome the coverage. And, you know, that, that, that is one thing where they are relying on, on a guy in his first year to be their, their, their number one option right now. And, and that's going to lead to some of the struggles that you're seeing. I know Tony didn't play. I know Sky Moore's on IR. It doesn't explain why MVS had 80% of the snaps. Uh, Rich James, it's proven he does catch everything thrown to him, showed that in St. Joe, uh, is the Chiefs' trusted punt returner. He's able to make the uh, crucial catches on punt returns with the guys right in his face. He only gets 33% of the snaps, yet had the biggest play in the game, a 45-yard reception, ends up a three for 54. To me, I know he had two snaps the week before, but 33% and then MVS getting 80%. So they got to figure out, I know different roles for what they do, but they got to figure out offensively to put the best players in position because I know Richie James, one-year contract or whatever, but he is proving he can be either the best or second best wide receiver they have. Yeah, I agree. I, I was very excited about Richie James in training camp. Um, and, and then I do think there's still a chance that he could, you know, almost almost kind of save the receiver position this year if he is more reliable target than they've had in Tony in Sky Moore this year from the slot. You know, they they really have eaten up some some slot snaps, and, and that's where Richie's going to be able to succeed. But yeah, you know, they they tried to reduce MVS's snaps the, the the week before. I do think injuries did play play you know account into that. You know, they are you know thin at the receiver position all of a sudden, and guys that have that have been playing all year. And so I think you're going to see when Tony, you know, when Tony does return and hopefully in a more limited role and Richie is the more, you know, the kind of the guy playing more like 50, 60% of the snaps and Tony's more the 20, 30% kind of in that gadget role. You know, I, I think then you could maybe see MVS snaps start to go down because Watson uh, clearly is Mahomes' preferred downfield target, you know, and, and more and more trusted downfield target, even though, you know, this, this last game wasn't maybe his best game. He still is, you know, a guy that can threaten safeties uh, vertically and, and has made some tough catches this year down the field, more, definitely more than M11 has. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think you need to see Justin Watson's snap count, you know, take over almost, you know, almost take over the downfield routes. And then, yeah, you'll see, you'll see once Tony back, uh, you know, Tony and, and Richie James really dominate those slot snaps along with Rice. Would you, uh, Florio put an article out there about bringing uh, B back if he's fired in some kind of capacity. I don't think they're going to do that. Um I was asked, you know, weeks ago on the post game, you know, would it make a difference with the enemy, you know, being here still or uh, or Matt Nagy? And I remember last year, Eric Bieniemy got critic uh, criticized every week. We'd have text about Bieniemy, and Andy Reid still calls the plays. I don't think it makes any difference, to be honest with you, with the schemes. I, the lack of talent is the lack of talent. But I, I, I will say this: he didn't mind getting in your face. And sometimes I think they need that. Yeah, that you took the words out of my mouth. I, I really think it's just a difference in coaching styles. And I do think when you look at kind of how Andy Reid is, coaches and, and kind of how many of his assistants maybe or his disciples coach, you know, they're, they're more, you know, uh, players coaches, right? Or, or I guess just, you know, they, they definitely are, uh, you know, kind of soft, soft speakers maybe in the media. Um, Nagy is definitely, you know, uh, falls into that category, right? And, and honestly – I've always said this, Jay, is when you hear Nagy talk about Mahomes, he kind of gushes over him a little bit, right? The enemy doesn't necessarily gush over him. He's a player. You know, he, he's, he's, his, he's his player. He's, he's, a, he's a soldier, right? You yeah, know, he, he calls he, him a competitive prick. Right. And, and, and I just – there might be just that little – in my opinion, there might just be that little difference in, hey, you know, this guy is actually going to get in 15, you know, head and, and, and kind of get him. You know, we, we saw 15 to be enemy get after it, you know, a couple times and that stuff might be important for 15 to really get, you know, really lock into a game sometimes, you know, someone really getting on him. And 
he may not be getting that same sort of, you know, discipline kind of, you know, getting in, getting in him from the current coaching staff. And that's just a ch- changing coach. That's just a difference in coaching styles. Maybe there's pros on the other side of that, that, that I don't see um, that, that benefit the team, but I just, I, I do think there could be that one thing and you, and you put it right, just kind of getting in someone's butt a little bit. Uh, defensively, Ron, this team, there's really not anything to complain about. Uh, uh, the, the rushing defense would be the only thing. Uh, they give up way too many yards on the ground, but other than that, this defense has been fantastic and it's a, a shame they're kind of wasting. All they really need, to be honest with you, is, uh, well, they're number two in the NFL in total offense, now, total defense now, excuse me, number two in points against, 17.7 points a game, meaning the offense, for all intents and purposes, just needs to score 17.8 points a game, and it'd be much different. Well, that's where you can you can sit here and, you know, as, as doom and gloom as, as the offense is making it feel. You know, in, in this year's NFL, you know, with with all the different, you know, kind of the the parity. I mean, you know, having an elite defense, which the Chiefs have have, tr- have proven to have when everyone's healthy, um, is going to make a difference. Uh, you know, absolutely, especially an elite pass defense. I mean, not allowing a completion for the last three quarters of a game, um, you can't ask for any much more than that, right? I mean, obviously, at the end they gave away the the runs, but man, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to to get too hard on them. Um, you know, the run defense has been a little soft. Um, you know, just all year or all down the stretch, I should say. Um, but again, the pass defense is what really matters, in my opinion, especially if the, if the offense does get it together whatsoever. You know, this coverage is just ridiculous right now. The, the what Spags can do in the back end, you know, they're missing B. Cook, but Shamari Connor has come on. Um, you know, Dave Merritt was praising him the other day, telling, you know, saying, you know, he hasn't had a rookie that's able to play as many positions as Connor is and, 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 and really, you know, looks, looks more and more comfortable as, as the season goes on. So that's just another piece for this deep, this defensive backfield to kind of use and their, uh, you know, late down packages or cast down packages. And I will say, Jay, it feels like Spags has definitely, you know, kind of dialed it back a little bit in terms of getting too creative on pass downs. I think he he's playing more straight up, knowing he can, knowing this defense can win like that, and saving up the good stuff for for when it matters. So I do think this defense is, is in a good spot right now and, and heading in the right direction, momentum wise. Well, that was my favorite pick. That was my favorite pick. Ron was uh, Shamari Connor. Uh, sitting there. Yeah, you're on it, man. Uh, a couple more things for you. Uh, one, Sneed, would you bring him back? Only because we know that there's going to be certain players walking. And whether it's Chris Jones here, I don't think he ends up coming back to the Chiefs. But not always huge on bringing guys back from their contract. But uh, ascending players are different. He is a shutdown guy. They will shut down your best receiver, which I think brings tremendous value. The way he hits, the way he can play nickel, do everything in that secondary but Snead's value is priceless at this point. I know, man. He has really built himself up his value, and 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 it is hard to deny that. You know, you want him on your football team. You know, for that price, for that big price that he is going to be able to demand, because he is just such an all-around player. I mean, that's one thing I I was truly worried about heading into the season was, man, they're really going to take away his playmaking by by kind of putting him on the outside, where you know maybe he's not as good as he is as a true true playmaker from the slot where he's attacking the line of scrimmage, blitzing off the edge, you know, really filling in as a run defender at times. I really thought that was the best way to utilize him, but you're seeing that he has added this layer to his game to make him a true cover corner. And he still has the rest of that, that I just mentioned, he can still play from the slot, but even from the outside, he can really defend the edge. That's one thing this year that you see from the chiefs a lot is teams cannot get around the edge on the outside on outside runs because Snead or even McDuffie, you got to give him credit too are really flying down, uh, not letting themselves get blocked and, and turning stuff back in. But Snead is a big part of that. 
And, and yeah, I, I think he is, he's making it, you know, very worthwhile to, to keep him around. And, you know, when you think about it, just, just in the, you know, just in general, right. You know, you mentioned Steve being ascending an ascending player, the other big time player on that defense that is, that'll be looking for a contract is, you know, is in a different stage of, of that, uh, you know, of their career. So, yeah, I mean, I'd almost lean, lean Snead at this point between him and Chris Jones in terms of you know, who you, who you really want to give that big money to with where they're at in their career. Talk to the Ron Cop, leading Ellis ArrowheadPride.com for a few more minutes. Uh, Ron, two quick things for you. One, Wanya Morris, because this was big to me, because Andy Reid doesn't usually trust rookies at left tackle like that. And the other thing is, because this frees up the Chiefs to concentrate more at wide receivers in the draft in Detroit than to worry about finding a left tackle in that way or free agency. So his development was pivotal, took a huge step back, got as well as welcome to the NFL uh, this week against the Raiders. Do they have something in Wanye? So he, here's the thing. I was definitely skeptical uh, this year of him being able to play left tackle right away, all the way back in the training camp and preseason. Got to remember that Morris was a right tackle for, the, for his last two seasons um, in college at Oklahoma while Anton Harrison was playing that left tackle spot. And so, you know, it was maybe going to take a little bit of time for him to, to, to look, you know, super comfortable on that side anyway. He did play left tackle in college just in his earlier years. Not to say he hasn't played left tackle. Sure. But it's man, like 17 he, to 12. That's a split. It was like 17 games of left, 12 at right. But you're right, the last two years were right. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is, is you know, I, I do think, you know, he's played well enough at left tackle in terms of uh, as a run blocker, although this game, you know, maybe wasn't as, as, as good as the other games. But but definitely one, definitely enough where I'm, I'm excited to see his development give him, you know, a little more time with Andy Heck to really, you know, refine you know, his pass set, because I think that's the one thing is we all saw the talent, you know, he he is a talented prospect, but there was inconsistencies in his pass blocking, you know, that really was what it was, you know, there were times where it did get kind of ugly at Oklahoma um, in spurts, right, and and it's just because he needs to, to be more consistent, just needs to refine his tools, and that's why they have a great offensive line coach to do that, so yeah, it was, it was definitely an ugly performance Monday, Malcolm Koontz, six career sacks in three years, heading into the game, had three sacks on him, um, or, you know, mostly on him, it seemed like, um, and that's, and that's a, like you said, a welcome to the NFL moment, you know, he'll learn from it. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him grow from that. Um, but it is definitely, you know, I, I think it is definitely, you know, more of a concern than it was, you know, last week, people not really considering the fact that, yes, this is a rookie left tackle, not a first round pick um, starting on the home of the blind side. That is going to be a problem heading down the stretch. And last thing for you, Ron, just really quickly, how concerning is it against the Bengals? that the Bengals are the, well, like the Raiders were the fewest penalized team in the NFL. They're the second penalized, uh, fewest penalized team, and they're plus eight, which is number two in the NFL in turnover ratio. The Chiefs dead last at minus 10. How, how big a concern are you over those two factors? Man, that's the thing is is the Bengals are a team that, you know, just because they don't have Joe Burrow doesn't mean, you know, this isn't the same team that, that wants to end the Chiefs and, and has, you know, and knows how to, right? You know, they know how to beat the Chiefs. And um, they'd love to spoil this season for them, you know, kind of maybe make it really hard for, you know, hard for them. Because if the Chiefs lose another game with, with some of what's going on in the, in the rest of the AFC West, there's still a chance the Chiefs could slip out of all this. Um, and so, yeah, the Bengals would love to do that. Their defense has definitely not been as good as, in, as years past, though. So I'm not sure if they can. Um, and, and obviously the Chiefs offense isn't as, you know, isn't as explosive as it was in years past. But missing Von Bell and Jesse Bates, their safeties from last year, is a huge Huge thing, and it's really made this this pass defense a little more susceptible. They still have the same pass rushers, though. We just talked about Wanya Morris. Him going against Trey Hendrickson is going to be 
uh, a big deal, um, something to, to definitely monitor uh, when, when you watch the game Sunday. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely, you know, going to be a, a, you know, a nervous, a nervous watching on Sunday. No one's Bengals team is, is you know, just because they lost their last game, they were playing pretty good ball with Jake Browning uh, going into that game. Great stuff, Ron Cop, lead analyst, ArrowheadPride.com. Ron, have a good podcast. Good talking football with you, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right, Jay. Appreciate you, man. Take care, buddy. Thank you right there. Uh, yeah, so that, that could be a problem, GT. The Bengals are plus Big eight. Big problem. Bengals are plus eight, which is number two in the NFL, and the Chiefs are minus 10, which is last in the NFL. They're, and they're not penalized very often. Second fewest penalties in the NFL. And we've seen that be a recipe for disaster for this Chiefs team. Yeah. Those two factors, they take the ball away. Plus eight. Don't get penalized. Means you can't have the mental errors. You just can't do it. Can't do it and expect to get them. Uh, we'll react to Ron Cobb next. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.